Hi, I'm Edward from Supermetrics, and this is the Marketing Intelligence Show, the podcast that empowers marketing leaders to work better with their data and make sure every marketing dollar counts. Now let's get into today's episode. So we're back with another episode of the Marketing Intelligence Show. And today we're talking about the Kaizen framework, how to turn marketing data into growth. And I'm joined by a very special guest, Zeke Camusio, CEO at Data Speaks. So welcome to the show, Zeke. And I guess a good starting point for this discussion is the concept of Kaizen itself. So what is Kaizen? Yeah, yeah, it's great to be here. And uh, Kaizen is a Japanese word that means continuous improvement. Um, that's the, on, on a personal level, I've always used that um, to, you know, analyze performance in every aspect of my life and figure out how, how I can improve. But later in life, I actually came across the word and I, you know, thought it was perfect. Um, and later, you know, it just became the framework through which we build our entire business. Yeah, I think it was in Toyota where it sort of became popular in terms of applying the concept of Kaizen to to business and management and production and efficiency. And very interesting to think about that concept from the perspective of marketing data, which is what we're going to kind of get into further today. And you have a long history, of course, working with marketing growth and data. So you've seen a lot over Mm -hmm. the years. Um, So how did you land on applying the Kaizen framework to marketing and more specifically how we as marketers work with data. Yeah, of course. So I, I've been doing this kind of work, uh, running analytics for over a hundred different brands for the last 20 years. And something that became really evident in the early days is that a lot of people were looking at data as if it was looking through the rear view mirror, you know, to like, see how did I do last month, last week, uh, but they weren't proactive in, in, in terms of what is this data telling us? What action do we need to t- take based on the data that we have? Um, and the ones that were doing that uh, were in, you know, measuring the, uh, how effective those decisions were. Uh, so I found a, an opportunity there to cre- give them a framework, something, a tool that they can use to not only look at data uh, to see past performance, but also to inform future decisions, make those decisions, take action, and then be able to measure how effective that action was. Yeah, I like it. And you know, we spoke about Kaizen being associated with Toyota, so good that we kind of have a car analogy here as well. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that was coincidence or or plan, but um, yeah, we do use data to typically look at what has happened in the past. So, as you said, the rearview mirror, but really. How can you use data to look forward through the the windshield to see where you're going and what does that tell us in terms of the direction and the decisions you need to take as a marketing team? So let's dig into this framework on how to actually turn that raw marketing data into business growth, which is what Mm -hmm. we're all about here at Supermetrics. And that process you've developed is built on four points. So the first is collecting all your marketing data in one place. The second is identifying high-priority insights. The third is formulating a hypothesis. And then the fourth is 
testing it, learning from the experiment and repeating, which kind of closes the loop as you then have more data to collect. So let's take these one at a time. So let's start with the first point. How do marketing teams go about collecting marketing data in one place? Yeah, I think it'll be useful for context if I give an overview of the, the framework and then I go into that main point. Um, so I always say that data is only as good as the action that you take based on it, right? So, uh, you know, you have raw data and you need to take action from that, but you need to transform that data into insight. And the reason for that is, you know, let's say you have 10 different data sources uh, times 10 metrics times 10 dimensions, you know, so that's 10,000 data points, uh, um, well, a thousand data points that you have on a daily basis, it's impossible to keep track of all that, right? And uh, that's the, the first step, right? You need to take all that raw data and, and, and you need to like have in front of you the key things that you need to focus on today um, so you can take action. Then once you take action, it's really important to explain you know, set up that as an experiment. You know, you formulate a hypothesis, you, you set up an experiment, and then you see whether or not the hypothesis is correct and how accurate it was. So that's an overview of the framework itself. Now, to answer your question about the first step, um, yes, uh, if you have, the, the, the average brand has 12 different uh, data sources, and it's impossible to log into 12 different dashboards every day and, you know, try to figure out even like metrics are named differently from one data source to the next one. It's, it's, it's not possible to have a data-driven culture if your data is fragmented across multiple silos. So the first step is what you guys do really well, which is getting that data out uh, into a data warehouse or you know Google Google Sheet or somewhere where you can normalize it uh, so all your data from different sources is in the same format uh, so you, you can then not only access it more easily and build you know you know BI systems and you know machine learning AI systems on top of that but also so you can use different data sources combined to get to deeper insights. Yeah, absolutely. And is data collection the responsibility of the marketing team or is it the responsibility of a data team if you have one? That's a really good question. I think it's really a collaboration of data teams supporting not only marketing teams, but you know, product teams, leadership, uh, understanding what each team needs and be able to provide that in a way that is easy and accessible. Uh, the main roadblock that I found doing this kind of work is that most people are not data people, you know? So if you expect a CEO to write a SQL query to, you know, the data might be there, but it's not going to happen, right? So, so you really need to understand what are the things that each team needs to have in front of them every day to be able to do their job the best way possible. Yeah, absolutely. And another follow-up point here before we move on to the second point of the framework. So Supermetrics, we have a saying which is crap in, crap out for mm -hmm. one of a better expression. So yeah. how do you make sure that the data coming in is high quality? Because if it's not, then obviously that is going to impact and, and mess up the rest of the entire process. Yeah, of course. No, I totally agree with that. So there's a few um, layers to that. The first layer is 
uh, making sure that you track everything you want. So you need a good tracking plan. Uh, you can't expect, for example, to have you know, Google Analytics out of the box do everything you want it to do. You need to customize uh, you know, user ID, um, you know, custom dimensions, uh, custom events, uh, you know, content groupings. There's a lot of work that you need to do to track every event with every property. So that's a question of understanding as a business what's important to you and how do we track that. So that makes sure that you start the process the right way by collecting as much data as possible and increasing the quality of that data. Um, then as the data gets um, into your data warehouse or wherever you collect it, um, there's a cleanup process. You know, things don't always track the way they should be tracking. Um, hopefully you caught some of those things early on, but oftentimes you don't. So you have to clean up the data. And then you, you need to uh, apply a semantic layer on top of the data to help um, you know, business users understand deeper insights. So for example, like you can categorize your products by you know, pants or sweaters, uh, low cost versus you know, premium product. You can apply a lot of those, those layers in the, uh, a lot of those tags in, in the semantic layer. So then when the data is brought into a BI tool, machine learning, AI, uh, that data is available. So there's a lot of truth to what you said. You know, you know the, the models are only going to be as good as the data you put into them. Yeah, absolutely. And we could probably spend the entire episode talking on data quality itself and, and how to maintain those standards, as you said. But for time's sake, let's uh, move on. Some super valuable points there, but let's get into the, the second point. So once you've centralized your marketing data, wherever that happens to be, as you said, how do you then actually identify high-priority insights? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as a data strategist and business strategist, I always you give the metaphor of a pyramid, right? So you have, at the very top, you have the most important metrics for your business. Usually that's profit and or revenue. Um, and then what our system does is it reverse engineers how you get to that revenue level or that profit level. So for example, um, profit is all your revenue minus all your expenses. Then if you take the revenue branch, that is, uh, the orders you get times the average order value. Then for to get more orders, you know, how many of those are going to come from Amazon? How many from Shopify? For, uh, you know, Shopify sales to increase, how much traffic you need to get from Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, and then for each of those, you know, how many clicks you need, uh, what click, uh, uh, cost per click. So we could think about it in, you know, hierarchies where, uh, at the very top, you have the ultimate business objective, and then you have uh, metrics at the bottom. You know, let's say at the you know the, the lowest layer, you have how many likes you get on Facebook. So naturally, uh, what our system does is it, it prioritizes the metrics at the top more highly than the ones at the bottom. Okay, so that's that's because uh, there's a chain of events. You know uh, that leads to the ultimate business objective. Then there's another layer to that, which is the, the delta for each metric, right? So um, you may have a metric that is maybe halfway through the, through the pyramid, uh, but if you're looking at say a, a monthly 
delta, like month over month change, you could see, for example, that your average order value maybe increased 20% or maybe your uh, traffic from email decreased 50%. Um, and that's another component that is built into our algorithm. You know, it's not only, you know, how you, how high or low it's on the uh, pyramid, but also like how much it changed. So those two factors get combined into the algorithm to, to be able to weigh every metric that comes in. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's really a filtering process. You know, you have an overwhelming amount of data. What you need to know is what are the top five to 10 things that I should be paying attention to today. Um, so that's that's a really important process. I, I think that sometimes uh, what prevents organizations from being more data-driven is that they have too much data and they're, they're unable to figure out uh, what are the key data points and what should I be paying attention to today. This show is brought to you by Supermetrics, the marketing data hub that helps you connect, transform, and export your data to any destination. Over 750,000 marketers worldwide use Supermetrics to turn raw marketing data into business growth. Visit supermetrics.com to find out how. Yeah, I think that's really important that more data does not mean a better situation, but really it's about you know, finding out what is relevant from all the data you have. And just to kind of ask a question on a, yeah. a different example to, to the one you spoke about there. So let's say if you're a B2B company with a longer sales cycle, it's a more complex buying journey, lots of touch points, both online and offline. How do you derive those insights from your data? Yeah, so what we do is um, we rely heavily on um, multiple regression, uh, which is a statistical technique that allows you to uh, see the correlation between an input and an output. So an input is anything you can do, such as you know send more email, uh, increase advertising spend, etc. And an outcome is what do you expect to get out of that, right? Like more sales, more leads. At the end of the day, um, it's called, you know, we use multiple uh, regression because in most modern digital brands are, aren't just doing one thing at a time. They're doing, you know, multiple different ad campaigns and marketing initiatives. So you need to be able to understand the weight that each one of them has had on the outcome that you got. Um, and once you make, make the regression you, and you understand um not only the 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 correlation between you doing that and the outcome you're getting, but also the impact. You know what's the ratio? For example, like if you increase your uh, spend on Facebook by by one dollar, what will that do to your to your sales, to your leads? Will it increase leads by uh, you know? For example, you, a ratio could be you need you're paying two hundred fifty dollars per fair lead. Uh, so at the end of the day, the the outcome is is the same. You know, you need to understand uh, the whether it's e-commerce or B two B. There's a there's you need to assign a value to that lead, uh, and you could do that by saying, you know, what's the average deal size um, for every lead? You know, how many leads do I need do I need to get to get a deal? Uh, and then you can just make you know divide and understand how much every lead is worth to you. 
Uh, and one of the things our system would do, for example, is be able to weigh uh, and score every lead because they're not all created equal. So based on a variety of factors that uh, we put into a machine learning model, it will tell you the, the value of, of some leads, you know? So some could be $400, that could be 50, depending on a variety of factors. Yeah. And so from here then, put the data in, got the insights. How do you as a marketer then go about taking insight and turning that into a hypothesis? Yeah, so uh, what I was saying about the impact is really the, the beginning of the process. So um, let's take, for example, the e-commerce uh, case that I just mentioned, where for every dollar that you, this the, the prediction is that for every dollar you increase ad spend on Facebook, you increase sales on your website by 250. So, that's based on historical data, right? It looks at uh, the, the trends for every marketing activity you've done, plus any external factors such as, you know, promotions or uh, economic conditions. Uh, it looks at all that. It, it, it tells you that based on historical data, that's what you can expect moving forward. So that's a hypothesis, right? It's not only just a, um, you know, a, a correlation, but it's 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 it actually measures. You know, if you increase this by this much, then you can expect this to increase or decrease by this much. So that's a hypothesis, and it's important to understand that just because something behaved a certain way historically, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's gonna you know hold true in the future. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of reasons for that. You know, for example, it could be diminishing returns in an advertising campaign, economic factors, uh, more brands bidding for your keywords. I mean, there's really a number of different things. So that's why hypothesis is not true until you actually put it to a test. Uh, so we found that being able to turn hypothesis into experiments easily is by far the greatest asset a brand can have. Uh, where you could say, you know, for example, in Data Speaks, you could you get that 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 uh, prediction, and you could sit sit it as an experiment, and then you will track data, uh, you know, new data coming in, and you will compare it against the, the hypothesis. So maybe it's not two fifty, you know, it's you know two thirty. So it, it, so what we do is on a weekly basis we keep adjusting that prediction so it gets more and more accurate. Uh, normally the, the 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 first time a system makes a prediction, it's you know, between 80 and 85% accurate. Uh, we found that over the course of three or four weeks, usually you're at 95% accuracy. You're never gonna get to 100%, but being 95% confident that, you know, if you do this, then this is gonna happen. If you do this, then this is gonna happen. It gives you so much power as somebody making decisions for your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, finally then talk us through the final step, which is what you just started alluding to there in terms of experimentation. So how do you experiment and learn from those results, which in turn generates more data, which kind of closes the loop, takes us yeah. back to step one? Yeah, so there are two pieces to the experiment. Uh, there's the, the input and the output. Um, so in this case, we said the input is we're going to increase uh, spend for Facebook ads by, by this much, and then this is what's going to happen to our sales. There needs to be a rationale 
behind it, right? So, so you can't just say, I'm going to double my conversion rate. And if I ask you how, you have no idea. You know, there, there has to be something you're going to do to make that happen. So that's that should be part of the hypothesis that like, if we do this, then this is going to happen. And, you know, you have to be very, very specific. You know, you can't just say, if I... Um, you know, improve the user experience on a page. You had to say exactly what you're going to do and, and why you believe that's going to happen. Um, so at that point, that's that's the experiment, right? Like you set up those, the, those two metrics, the activity that is going to lead to the outcome, and you decide, um, you know, with which fre frequency you want to check that. Um, depending on the data you have, you know, it could be, Every other day, it could be weekly, it could be uh, twice a month. Uh, I, I like doing it weekly. Um, I think it, it, that usually gives enough time to collect the data you need to be able to adjust your forecast. Yeah, absolutely. And from here, could you give a real-life example of the end-to-end -end Kaizen framework in action? Yeah. Um, so a couple of months ago, we, we started working with a brand that was growing pretty significantly for the previous few years. And all of a sudden started seeing their sales decline and they couldn't figure out why. Um, so I, you know, connected data speaks to all their data and, you know, had a, the, the first meeting with them and I show them what was going on. And what was happening is they were investing less on uh, Facebook ads because their ROAS was getting lower. Um, now, it was still profitable, right? So let's say that the, in this case, the break-even point, they needed their ROAS to be at 1.5 to break-even. So it had decreased from 2.5 to 2.2 or, or so, um, but it was still profitable. So so what happened is like they at first they were just um, targeting their they're doing retargeting to their customers. Then they started doing lookalikes. And then as they started getting, uh, you know, those audiences are very targeted, but they're very small. So as they started increasing their reach, they were getting a, a lower bang for their buck, but they were still profitable. So they decided to start shrinking that based on the recommendation from the advertising agency to keep ROAS as high as possible. Uh, but in reality, they... You know, if you're making, let's say you're, you're making, for every dollar you invest at the core, you're making a dollar fifty. Here you're making, let's say two here, a dollar fifty, a dollar twenty-five. You know, when you start making ninety-five cents, that's not profitable anymore. You know, but uh, if you're making a dollar twenty, that's a, that's a profitable segment that you should go after. So we we formulated a hypothesis that if they invested at different budget levels. Uh, they were going to get different returns. And we took into account uh, the, the curve of diminishing returns. Um, and not only the, did we tell them, you know, that they needed to invest in that channel, but we broke that down by every dimension available. And we showed them, you know, what calls to action they needed to use, what types of creative, whether they needed to be a video or carousel. Um, and... Uh, uh, you know, we essentially broke it down for them, you know, what campaigns, what audiences. Um, and uh, yeah, and then, you know, it was a matter of tracking that performance and, uh, you know, understanding how accurate the prediction was and making adjustments moving forward. Yeah. And so from here, 
Any final tips for our listeners on how they can get more systematic when working with marketing data? Yeah, uh, I think it's, um, I'll say this, you have enough data as it is. Uh, you don't need more data. Uh, the main thing you need is to start working on creating a data-driven culture. Um, so as the leader of your organization, you, you need to start by setting a, a time of the week where you discuss performance. And everybody in your team and all your teams need to understand what success looks like for, for the, the channels they manage. Uh, there's no better gift you can give someone, for example, managing your TikTok ads than understanding what success looks like, you know, what, what, what they can report that can make you happy. Because that way you, um, you define the, the targets, you, you, you define the narrative. You don't let, you know, leave it up to each team to come back to you each week with, this is what I think is important, right? That, that you know, the, the, the priorities and the fo focus for each channel need to come from the top down. Yeah, absolutely. Super good advice. And there was a bunch of really good takeaways here within this episode in the framework. But I think the piece you said on data is only as good as the action you take on it is mm -hmm. a great, great point. I think a lot to take away from that. Our CMO is always saying about, you know, it doesn't really matter until the rubber hits the road, which is when you actually start doing stuff. You can kind of talk and get all the insights you want, but if you don't take action, then nothing's going to happen. So super, super good. Zeke, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you, Edward, for having us. And thank you, Supermetrics, for making this possible because if we couldn't have data in real time to apply all these models and all these advanced AI, machine learning, and data science, uh, you know, it's... It, it, what we do couldn't happen. So I appreciate you guys. Our pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Intelligence Show brought to you by Supermetrics. If you're enjoying the podcast, then we'd love for you to tap that subscribe button, leave a review and share with your colleagues and peers. We'll see you in the next episode.